Hey, welcome to the Engage Network Podcast. We're so happy to have you join us today. Why don't we dive into another incredible, life-changing message? So we're going to continue here, week two in the book of Colossians, and uh, I'm going to start from verse six because Pastor Brett uh, preached verses like one to three last week, and he's going to be doing more like three to six today, three to seven, and uh, I'm going to preach on verses six to ten, but we believe that, you know, there's some things that God wants to show us as we walk through the book of Colossians over the next uh, ten to 12 weeks or 20 or 30, depending on how it goes. I broke down chapter one and uh, we were sending some of the speakers different things that they could go through. And uh, I found six messages in chapter one alone. So um, this is week two. And, uh, but we're going to break it up over some of the Sundays. Actually on March 1st, uh, you don't want to miss that Sunday. um, When Pastor Brett, or I'm going to do this in the future, when we travel back and forth for all five services, you could do that on March 1st and you would actually get seven different speakers on that Sunday in every service. So it's going to be a great Sunday, um, and I can't wait for that one. But uh, Colossians chapter 1, verses 6 to 10, it says this. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, Our beloved co-worker, he is Christ's faithful servant, and he is helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Keyword there is spiritual. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning that your word's alive, it's powerful, it's living, and God, you want to teach us this morning. God, these are not my words or what you want to do um, through me, per se, and what I've thought up, but God, I believe this morning you want to teach all of us from your heart, um, just as you were speaking to a group of people in a tri-region area in the city of Colossae years and years ago. So God, we just say that our hearts are open and we're ready to hear what you want to say in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Uh, Have you ever heard the saying, first things first? You know, sometimes we say it as a reminder to ourselves that we need to do the first things first and then we'll get to that or whatever. But have you ever been in a situation where um, you've made a mistake or you're in trouble and then you hear this like, well, if you would have done the first things first or if you would have done it in the right order, like not helpful in that situation, right? Like that's not when you want to hear that. But priority and time and cause and effect and what we put first and how we go about things in different areas of our life can make all the difference in the world. It's amazing what you will learn about yourself when you start asking, what do I really put first in my life? I mean, I started asking myself this question as I was preparing this message, and then I just stopped because I started getting convicted. I'm like, oh, Maybe I put that over this, and that's not the right order. And then, like, all of a sudden, you're rethinking all your life choices about uh, how you should be doing things. But let me ask you this. What is the first thing? Think about this. What is the first thing that you do when you open your eyes in the morning? Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I guarantee you I used to do this. But there's a great number of us that probably the first thing you do is you reach for your phone. And, like, how many, like, I, I wonder, how many of us check Instagram or email before we're even out of bed in the morning. 
And I actually got convicted of this a little while ago. I'm not saying you have to, like Holy Spirit speaks to you about what he's going to speak to you about. But I was finding myself at night not sleeping well and being anxious or starting my day off with an angst to it because I started reading emails after 10.30 p.m. or before I was even out of bed in the morning. And I just began to realize it clicked for me that this was not helping me get into the right frame of mind and reference and heart in which I need to face my day. So I honestly, uh, I'm not saying I never do it, but I try not to deal with anything on my phone or emails for at least the first half hour in the morning. I mean, I still like wish I could tell you the first thing I do is my Bible's right there and I read it before my feet hit the floor. And I said, no, I walk down to my Nespresso, I open it up, I put a pot in and I let that baby pour because like I'll be, I, like, I gotta make coffee sometimes even before I think about going to the shower in the morning because I won't know how to pick what I'm gonna wear. And, and so, but when you start doing this in every area of your life and you're saying, God, what is first in my life? And then you start looking at choices you have, opportunities that get put in front of you. The way we prioritize one thing over another, it becomes very telling on what matters most to us. And I believe that as we continue to move a bit deeper into the book of Colossians, we're going to see a challenge that comes to our heart because it's what Paul wrote to the Colossians was, is Jesus really first? Like, he spends the first two chapters talking about how Jesus is absolutely first, and he's divine, and he's supreme, and that's who he is by his nature. But it, the book turns and trails into, is he really first in your life? Because that will affect the way you live, the way you act, the way you talk, the way you walk, and everything that you do. And day in and day out, we have to recalibrate and think about and reflect in our lives, is Jesus really first? The book of Colossians is really all about that, making Jesus first. Because the gospel, the good news which you and I get to hear, this good news that Jesus came, died in our place, went to the grave, rose from the dead. Can I tell you, Jesus needs to be first because Jesus went first. The only reason that your sins can be forgiven was because God made the first move. And in his goodness and his kindness, the Bible says while we were still sinners, while we were far from God, it says he sent his son. See, sometimes we're in church and we always give an opportunity to say, hey, if you want to start a relationship with Jesus, we want to pray with you. This is the start of a journey. God's going to walk with you. We'll do that probably at the end of the service. However, sometimes I think we look like, oh, I'm making this choice to, to follow Jesus. And how good of me to say, Jesus, I'll surrender and I'll follow you. No, 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 no. You only have that opportunity. I only have that opportunity because God made the first move. We have an opportunity to respond to the love of God because God loves us first. And without the love and grace of God and him sending Jesus first, we could not even fathom or understand a relationship with Jesus. And so Jesus became first in everything. Jesus was the first one to shed his blood to die on a cross so our sins would be forgiven and pay the price so we don't have to. He went first to the grave to be buried and to be rose on the third day so that we can actually believe and hope in resurrection life and an eternity beyond this life. Because God made the first move and because Jesus went first. He made a way for us. His life, death, death and resurrection were this demonstration of the kindness of God to every single one of us who without God were so far from him. 
And often we talk about people who are far from God, but we have to remember that we were at once in that place, but because Jesus went first, because God loved us first, we all get an opportunity to respond and live our lives birthed out of the love of God. And Colossians talks a lot about this. So as, as this changed the life of this guy named Epaphras, this young guy named Epaphras, and he travels up to Ephesus and he starts to experience the goodness of God and the grace of God and he starts seeing all these things happen, he actually believes that it should change his life. And so Epaphras wants to carry this good news back to his friends, his family, his city, and it brings him back to the city of Colossae and he starts... Uh, talking to people and they start receiving the good news of the gospel and a church is born in Colossae. Colossians 1.7 says this when Paul's writing to the church. He says, you learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker who is Christ's faithful servant and he is helping us on your behalf. So Paul's saying Epaphras had such a dream in his heart and a love for the people that God placed in his life that he said, God, you've changed my life so much I have to go back to my community, to my town, to my city and tell them about what God has done because if he's done it for me, he can do it for them. And now he's sitting with Paul and they're writing this letter because Epaphras is working with the church because he's talking about how things are going in the city of Colossae. And he would bring this letter back to church, the church of Colossae. And most likely at this time, Paul's writing the letter to the church at Ephesus, so the book of Ephesians. He's writing this letter to a guy named Philemon, whose slave had run away, and yet somehow he ends up with Paul, gets saved, changes, turns his life around. Paul's sending him back to Philemon. He's telling him, Philemon, this is how I want you to treat him. This is how he needs to treat you. You are brothers in the Lord. This is how it works. And this letter to the church, is going back with Epaphras at the same time. But there was something special about the letter to the church at Colossae because in a lot of Paul's other writings, there's similar themes and there's, there's things that he's writing to different churches and he's going over some of the same things, but they were facing something in Colossae that has, was not happening in other churches yet. I mean, the Corinthian church was wild. They were just crazy. Um, and Paul had to write to them with something like, I mean, Paul wrote to a church like, guys, you drink all the communion before everyone gets there. Now you're drunk in church. Like, this is a problem, he's saying, right? Like, we cannot be doing that. <laughs> Saved by grace, but your works are sure painting a bad picture right now of what God is doing in your life. You know, to the Ephesians, he talks a lot about spiritual warfare. To the Galatians, he's talking about, you know, trying to live through works instead of the grace that God's given you. And, and there's similar themes that cross over. But at the church of Colossae, there was something going on that was actually going to possibly hurt the faith. You see, what was happening in Colossae was... They were trying to live so immersed in their culture, yet as believers be called to live in Christ, that it was getting so mixed together that there was this form of what we would call a proto-Gnosticism. Now, if you don't know what Gnosticism is, Gnosticism wouldn't actually come to be about till years later. But an earliest form of it, Gnosticism is this idea that you gain enlightenment, you uh, gain spiritual security, whatever, through astrology, through philosophy, through gaining of knowledge. And if you can gain the most knowledge for some way, somehow, that leads you to perfection and holiness and draws you closer to God. 
And, and, and the church at Colossae was in this early form of this prototype Gnosticism. So we're, they were saying where Paul said to all these other churches that I, I want to encourage you in your faith, hope, and love of the gospel that you first received. They were adding, oh, and knowledge. So the trick for them was they were trying to be so much in the world and yet also be in Christ that it was getting so mixed together that, that it wasn't just Jesus plus knowledge or it was knowledge plus Jesus. And Paul's saying what we got to get back to is this idea that Jesus is first and Jesus is the center and Jesus is enough. Because one of the overriding themes of the book is that you cannot live in the world fully and live in Christ at the same time. That's why we hear other scriptures where it says you're in the world, but don't be of the world. And that's not saying we separate from everything in culture and things that are happening, but there were ideas and philosophies and things that were hurting the gospel and the truth of the grace of God. And so Epaphras needs to talk to Paul about this because, I mean, let's be honest, churches have problems. You know, um, it would be safe to say we are not a perfect church. Uh, we're missing our screen this morning. Uh, it flickers every week. I know you've probably noticed that. We're trying to work through some of those things. The screen's not here because we uh, donated it for a youth conference for the weekend, and we just haven't got it back yet. And we're working on all of those things. And we can talk about things like that with technical or kids check-in took too long or this or that. And we work on all those things. But how many know when you fill a room full of people who are trying to serve Jesus to the best of their ability, we're not perfect not even one of us. And it's like when you get engaged and you're getting married and you start going through some of the stuff we're going to talk with some of you engaged couples about that you should talk about before you're married, you're going to be like, no, we're not going to fight. Like, things are great. I just, like, love is all you need. No, the Beatles lied to you. Uh, you know, it's like... There are things you got to work through. And when you get married and you realize you put two people all of a sudden living together and having to work through ideas and ideologies and feelings and emotions, it gets messy sometimes. So then we start using the term family at church and you get 100, 200, 2,000 people together. Guess what? There's going to be a problem every once in a while. And praise God, Pastor Brett and I get the emails. But guess what? The amazing thing about Epaphras was, yes, he goes to Paul, but Paul is very sure to mention to the church, he goes, hey, Epaphras didn't come to me to just complain about you. He says, we're going to address some things, and, and in, the, in the book of Colossians, we're going to address some things, making sure that we keep our theology and our thoughts about who God is, and we get that straight. But Paul says, but Epaphras is helping us with that, but he told us, he goes, he says, you know what Epaphras really told me about you, about the church at Colossae? He says, he told me about the love you have for one another. He told you how much the Holy Spirit is in you and just how good you are at loving each other and doing good for one another and serving one another. And, and, and Paul commends them on this. He says, we're going to deal with the theological stuff and we're going to deal with the issues. But he says, there are good things happening in this church and, and, and God is doing something and, and there's hope here. But we just got to get some of our theological bases straight. You know, it, isn't it easy in our human nature to swing to the negative when you're asked, how are things going? Like, I'm like, how was your week? First thing that comes to mind is what tired you out? What was agitating to you? 
Um, you know, maybe if you had a really spectacular week, like that pops the forefront of your mind. But there is actually a thing where, you know, uh, a prevailing story in a negative, the thing that gets the most airtime becomes the thing that pervades our thoughts and our hearts and emotions. And so sometimes what can happen in churches, we talk about all the things that aren't happening yet or aren't perfect yet or all these things. And, and we got to get our minds and our hearts back to the prevailing thought of God is doing something and he's moving. And what are those? things and so we get our hearts aligned with who God is and we put Jesus first and we keep talking about him and then the other stuff yes we still got to deal with it but it keeps our hearts in the right place so we can see Jesus working and see him first in our lives so though Epaphras had every reason to be concerned because of what the church was struggling with yet he's sure to tell them about he's sure to tell Paul what the Holy Spirit is doing in his life, Colossians 1.8, he has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. Church, I believe that there is a love for others which comes from the Holy Spirit working in the lives of each of us who believe. And it is this love from the Holy Spirit which actually empowers us to live lives worthy of the call of God on us. Because we say this time and time again, you were not only saved from something, you were saved for something. When you step into the, the plan and the call of God, Pastor Brett preached last week about to the apostles and saints, we step into a purpose, we step into a call. And when we step into the call, the Bible throughout the scripture constantly reminds us to live lives worthy of the call of God. See, in other words, there is a love from the Holy Spirit which leads us to lives that do good, show kindness, and lead us into a deeper knowing of who God is. Not just a surface knowledge of God, but a knowledge of who God is in my heart, in my life, in my family, in every area when we put Jesus first. And what I would be, I don't hesitate to say this, but I have a hard time believing that we are going to do good and show kindness to others and help them grow in the knowledge of God when we can't even do good and show kindness and love each other in this room. It starts in the church and then it moves outwards. And so what Paul is saying by the power of the Holy Spirit, he's commending this church and sometimes we think, oh man, would God commend our church on how we do good and we show kindness within the family and how we grow together? Uh, I heard one pastor say this, and I'm adopting this into one of the rules for my kids in my household. And he says this, we are kindest to our family. It's so easy to be kind to other people and courteous in a passing. But when we know our family, we know the flaws, we know the arguments, we know all the little things that have been going on. And we need to adopt this, that when we actually ask the Holy Spirit to empower us to do good to one another in the family, to show kindness and love to one another in the family, then we will actually begin to see that our lives are growing in the grace of God and it puts a reflection to the world that there is something different about us. The Bible says in the Gospels, they will know you are Christians by your love. And so Epaphras knows that there's some good things going on and there's some dangers in the theology, so they're trying to straighten this out. And in Colossians chapter 1, verse 8, I believe it is. Next slide. Verse 9 and 10, it says, So we've not stopped praying you, 
praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow and learn as you learn to know God better and better. And I began to ask myself some questions about our lives and our church. Because when we look at this passage in Colossians, I think what we have to do is get to this place where we start asking ourselves the question, what is it that causes us to do good, to show kindness and grow in our knowledge or our relationship with God? And I ask myself this question, what if our coming to church and consuming knowledge about God isn't enough? What happens when we come to the place where we realize that a knowledge of God isn't enough? What if we're missing a very important piece of the puzzle and though we think we are so smart, there is something that we forget or we exclude or we will never be whole or full in if Jesus isn't first in our lives? Or lastly, what if our lives could look so much better if Jesus was actually first and not just another add-on to our own theologies, belief systems, and the way we go about life. Because this is what was happening. We all do it. We grow, we age, we mature. We go from being in school to going to school to pick what we want to do, to picking a career, to trying to find our way in the world. And we pick up philosophies and ideas and ways we live our life based on the world system and structure that we are in. We, we, we tend to pick those things up. And then what we do is very often we can make Jesus an add-on to how we've decided we're going to live our life. But the gospel is clear to call us back to, no, let's put Jesus first. And as we put Jesus first, that will shape the way we live and it will actually be better for us. But we can get caught in trying to live in two worlds at once and it doesn't work. See, the truth is, is we can know all the stuff, have all the knowledge, which tells us that God wants us to do good. It tells us that God wants us to show kindness. It tells us that God wants us to grow deeper in him and have a deeper relationship with him. But knowing things doesn't always equate to those things happening. Just because you know something is right and true, you can know it with all your might, but guess what? It doesn't translate into action until it becomes something that's a part of us. So what we need is help. And thank goodness Jesus didn't stay here on this earth. Because it says in John 16 verse 7, I tell you the truth, it's for your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, the standby will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him, I will send the Holy Spirit to you to be in close fellowship with you. Church, this isn't a condemning thing when we realize that, God, we need to put you back in the rightful place in our lives. We need to allow you to have that space, and you need to be first. And when we struggle with that, thank God we have a helper. We have the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us, who 
shows us and leads us in the things that God wants us to do. It would be impossible to live a life worthy of the calling of the gospel without the help of the Holy Spirit and us saying, Jesus, I'm going to surrender my life and I'm going to make you first. So I would ask, what does it look like for us to, to make Jesus first in our lives and in the lives of others? And I think it comes from an experience with Jesus. See, Epaphras went back to his city, back to his hometown, to tell people about a God who he had experienced, who he had had an encounter with that changed his life drastically and radically. And because of that, he believed it could change the lives of others. He began to see that knowing about God or knowing that there was a God out there wasn't enough. He needed an experiential experience with the God of the universe who went first and gave himself for Epaphras. And he began to realize that this is what's going to empower me to do the things that I need to do. And as we close this morning, I, I want us to see that it's not trying harder or doing more, but it's the power of the Holy Spirit that produces the kind of love in us that only God can produce. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that actually leads us to be a people, to be a family, to be a church that does good for this world, that shows kindness, that grows deeper in our walk with God, that actually means something beyond just another act of social justice because it leads us into spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding. Because it's our purpose, it's what God's called us to do. And I believe this happens when we do two things. And the first one is really simple. It's really easy. Sometimes we simply need to ask the Holy Spirit what he wants to do in our lives. I mean, we can't sit back forever or open our Bibles or stand in a worship experience and say, well, I don't know what God wants me to do. Have you asked? I don't know. If I ask, he might send me to like Slovenia or somewhere across the world. He might. But he might just send you next door. He might send you down the street. He might, he might send you to someone in your own household that just needs a little more love, a little more grace. You know, we, we, we need to be those that would ask God for what he wants in our life. Paul said in Colossians, we haven't stopped praying for you, so we ask God to give you this complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Paul was very clear about this. And with other churches, he talked about the knowledge of God, but he was very key with the church at Colossae. He says, no, 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 I'm praying for you because what you need now is spiritual understanding. You need the Holy Spirit to reveal what God is truly like in your lives. Don't go chasing all of these other things. What you need to do is come back to the place where you ask God. But I don't know about you, often when I've said, God, what do you want me to do? It's not always what I want to do. When he reminds me of things that I'm supposed to do and how I'm supposed to love others and, and do things and serve people and show kindness. Like, God, wouldn't it be a lot easier if I just sang another worship song or read another chapter? But when the Holy Spirit leads us, it, it not only changes us, but when Jesus has his rightful place, it will begin to pour out from us and change the lives of those around us. 
but we can't do it on our own. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to remember that we can't truly love other people until we understand the love of God towards us. When you open the Bible, when you ask and you say, Holy Spirit, would you help me understand what you want in my life? You know what he's probably going to do first? He's going to help you understand how much he loves you, what he's taking you from, how, how much he cares for you, how much he wants to walk with you. And, and when you begin to understand and experience and encounter the love of God towards you, you will begin to believe that you can pour out that kind of love to other people. So what we do is we ask. We ask the Holy Spirit, what, what, what do I need to do, God? What, what understanding do you want me to have so I can do good, I can show kindness, I can grow deeper in my relationship with you? Sometimes we just need to ask him, say, God, what, for my life right now, what is it? What's the next step? But secondly, I believe if we want to be this type of church or be these types of believers that are known for the love that the Holy Spirit has put inside of us, we need to, number two, we create a space where the Holy Spirit can challenge us to grow and we can grow deeper in our relationship with God. It's sign up Sunday for groups. Surprise! You have to create that space in your heart. See, I can create groups and I can create spaces and I can talk to leaders and I can ask them to open their heart and they create space and, and, and place. And, and, and can I just tell you this? This doesn't work for everyone to do it all the time. But in certain seasons and moments of life, when we are saying, God, what's the next step for me? He, sometimes he's going to ask you to create a space and a place in your heart to actually grow with other people to actually grow in what he wants to do. You see, you can grow by opening the Bible and studying yourselves and you yourself and you can challenge yourself, but sometimes it's a whole other thing when you sit with another group of believers and you hear how God's challenging them and you begin to pray together and you begin to find support and you begin to get asked questions by other people saying, well, maybe do you think God might be trying to say this to you? And you're like, oh my goodness, if my spouse said that to me, it would be a big fight. But it, go home from group and and wives are like yeah my husband came home from group he's like you know so and so said like maybe I should think about this and she's like you think but we create space where the Holy Spirit can challenge us to grow see growing and know growing and knowing God is something that happens as we live out of love for one another groups aren't so we look good so we can say we have more groups at church. No, these groups are for us. They're for you. Because we know that we need other people and we weren't meant to walk alone. We need others to challenge us. We need others to pray with us when things are tough. We need others to make sure that we are walking in a, in a unified direction. We need groups because some people feel like they're walking alone. Come on, I just need some of you to invite someone to a group you've already been going to because they feel like they can't even join. But as we create a space and place to grow deeper in our relationship with God, we will look different, we will live different, we will walk different, and we will think different about reaching the lost because we will have learned 
by the power and the love of the Holy Spirit to do good and to show kindness and to grow in all that God has for us together first. And then we will have faith to believe that it will spill out into our communities and to our friends and to our neighbors. I mean, that's the kind of church we want to be. We'll deal with all our doctrinal heresies next week. But, you know, I'm just kidding. Wow. Everyone's like, really? What? Why don't we stand this morning, this afternoon? And as we close out with this song, I just want you to ask two things. God, what's the next step? Holy Spirit, give me an understanding of what you want me to do. And then the second question is, God, what is the space that I need to create in my heart, in my life, so I can grow deeper with you? Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Engaged Church or continue your relationship with Jesus, head to engagechurch.ca. We'll see you next week.